Warning, this podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey spooksters and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara and as always I am joined with my ghoul friend Jessica. Hey! Hello! And today we are going to be talking about the Molly Miller and Colt Haynes disappearance out of Oklahoma. It's a case that I think made us both rage pretty bad in researching. We probably will rage on here. There will be rants, I'm sure, from Jessica later. (laughs) Just give me a look. (laughs) Rants ahead. Rants ahead. But before we get into that, we want to just say hello and welcome to anyone new checking out the show today. Thank you so much for clicking on us and tuning in in. Returning Spooksters, welcome back. Thank you for your continuous support and listening to the show. If you would like to hang out with us on social media, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle is at 3 Girls. We also have an amazing Facebook group that there's so much going on in. You can check that out as well. It is 3 Girls official. And if you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com backslash 3 Girls. We have all kinds of bonus content. For as little as a dollar, you get at least one bonus episode a month and it goes up from there. We have Jessica's Slaughter's movie reviews and plot lines for two and up patrons and five and up patrons starts video content. So you get my Haunted Ground series, which is on haunted or cursed objects. It's a lot of fun. And we also do live streams. There's swag. So definitely check it out if you would like to support the show and have access to all of that. But before we jump into the content and what our drink is this week, we're going to go ahead and take a quick promo break and we will be right back. If you like weird and strange history, then I have the podcast for you. My name is Brenda, and I'm the host of Horrifying History. Are you into the dark side of history? Horrifying History tells you about the side of history that people don't normally talk about. We talk about the tales of haunted places, infamous true crimes, cursed items, and unsolved mysteries, and then we look into the science and documentation to see where does the truth actually lie. Want to get spooky with us? Get your horrifying history fix by subscribing to Horrifying History, which you can find on any major podcast provider. All right. Well, welcome back, guys. I'm going to hand it over to Jessica to tell us what our drink this week is. So since we are in the great state of Oklahoma, which I do believe because I like Oklahoma, I've been there several times. My dad is from there. I was like, okay, I got to find an Oklahoma cocktail because that's where we're going to be at in our story. And I looked up something and I saw something called the Sooner Swirl and it had no recipe. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to Google or I'm going to search Google Swirl. And I found out what it was. So I pinned it because I was like, this is good. It is a frozen margarita with like frozen 
sangria. Okay, I'm here for that. And it's swirl. Right. So it has the potential to be delicious. Yes. Oh my God. I'm so excited. I am here for this. I like margaritas, but it's like one of those, like for me, I have to like be around a lot of people. And I'm also not that into frozen. Yeah, I like on the rocks. And I was also going to say, it's not like a, mm. obviously I'm the only one who will drink and I don't drink very often in my house. And it's like, I would rather have a glass of wine or like a seltzer type of, you know, like mm-hmm. the White Claws and shit. I can't see myself just making a margarita just for me. <laughs> like, I can't, no. <laughs> but like, I could see if this was in a restaurant, I would order mm-hmm. it. Or I mean, like, if you're having people over for like a game night or something, like, yeah, totally, totally. Right. For white people taco night. <laughs> Sorry, I just popped in my head. <laughs> Guys, now know what Tara has to deal with all the time. <laughs> but my favorite place to get margaritas, so if you're a sack of tomato in, I don't know how to say it, sack of tomato. I don't if you're know. in Sacramento. I'm a bad Sacramento person because I can't say the designated name <laughs> for it because my brain just won't do it. <laughs> Moss Tacos has amazing margaritas. Just saying. Yes. Love it. Okay. We need to talk about this case because I have so much rage in my belly right now about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Y'all, if you don't know what this fucking is, just buckle the fuck up. Okay, so I'm gonna handle the beginning half of our story. Yeah, if you guys don't know this case, like, you gonna (laughs) learn today and be fucking mad with us. That's all I have to say. (laughs) Like, there was one point in this, like, my research, I was just like, I can't, like, I had to turn it off for a couple hours. And like, while I was typing up notes, I took like watch criminal minds because i was like i need to not like mm, just so much wrong with this yeah yeah i already knew about this case but jessica didn't so it was a bit of a shock for her like i knew the (laughs) gist of this case right like i knew like the overall like yeah blah 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 blah. i'm not gonna spoil it because you're about to tell us but like the stuff that i had to research i had like no idea and i was like oh i know oh my god yeah so i'm so glad that i got this half because if i had done your half i'd have just been like it's fine (laughs) but now i'm like i will fucking end people this is fucking ridiculous yeah it really is so i'm gonna walk us through some background and pretty much a lot of the timeline of the day of this crime and then jessica's gonna pick up the following event and fuckery we have after that to come and I will definitely interject. So Molly Miller was 17 and Colt Haynes was, depending on the source because you cannot find his fucking birthday, if you find it, you are the MVP and I will send you a sticker, 21 or 22. And they would completely disappear after a night that includes a high-speed chase, being abandoned in the woods, and other sketchy things. But before we get into their story and all of that, I do want to tell you guys about them in their background because I feel like in a lot of the research. There are some good things that covered this. I'll get into it later. But a lot of articles and stuff glaze over the victims and who they are. So, you know, we're not about that. We like to try to do when we can. So Molly Miller was described as an easy baby by her mom. And it said that she actually spoke with an accent for a few years when she was little because her daycare provider was from France. So she like, sounded like she had a little French accent. I'm like, oh my God, that's so fucking cute. That's adorable. (laughs) I know. I love it. And She was, even though one of her siblings was older than her, she was described as a very protective sister over both of her brothers. There, I'll just say it now because I'm going to mention it a few times. There's an Up and Vanished episode on this. Jessica found it on Hulu for us. And the brother, Garrett, is interviewed. And they're just like, it's so cute. They were so close. Mm -hmm. And it's just very heartwarming and all of that. But even her older brother, she was very protective over him. And she was also said to be very 
close with her grandma as well. And growing up, Molly absolutely loved sports and other extracurricular activities. She took dance lessons, she played basketball and softball, and she also took pitching lessons as well. Molly had a lot of friends and she was described as a spitfire, outgoing, fun, just a really good person, had a good heart, like everyone had good things to say about her. And in an article I read that the writer did an interview with her mom, she had said that in elementary and middle school, she had perfect attendance, like she was a good kid. And Molly also loved reading and writing. Now, sadly, Molly's grandma would pass away in 2011. And her mom said that her behavior completely changed after this, which makes sense if it's someone she was close with, you know, that's gonna affect you no matter your age. And this is when she started started to go out more. She would start skipping school. Her and her mom used to talk like a lot, but like when her mom would call, she would reject the calls or ignore the texts, things like that. Her mom mentioned a huge red flag was that like she abruptly started doing her own laundry, which I'm like, okay, I get it because like her mom had always done it for her. And if she's sneaking out, going out, you know, you're going to start putting the pieces together. I get it. I get it. I would have been so oblivious that I'd be like, my kid's doing chores. <laughs> right? I know. That's why I was laughing because I was like, I would be happy. <laughs> And it is noted she did began experimenting with substances and hanging out with a little bit of a rough crowd. And her mom had also been noted to say that Molly would have, quote, mysterious small bruises on her. Oh. Yes. But even with this concerning behavior, Molly did have goals for herself. She was said to be enrolled at a vocational school because she wanted to become a nurse. And she also worked part time at a funeral home answering the phones and, you know, probably admin work and stuff like that. But because she was having this like really rebellious streak and whatnot, she was thinking of sending Molly to her cousin who's been really active with her case. She's in that Up and Vanished episode too. Because basically, you know, she wanted her daughter to get on the right path and get back, you know, to her goals and things like that and not fall into something bad. She was basically like, look, like you're the only adults I think that can get through to her. Like, can she come stay with you? And she's like, absolutely. And basically she's like, I don't know if Molly just changed her mind or what happened, but like she never came to stay with me, basically. Also, something to know that's going to come up later is that Molly had run away in the past as well. A disclaimer, I do not think that's what happens. That was a theory people were trying to push. And as we go on, you guys will probably not subscribe to that either. But moving on, a little about Colt. So he was the youngest of six siblings in his family. He was said to be shy as a child, but he kind of grew out of it. But he was always very happy, bubbly, and just you know, like a great energy to be around type of person. And I watched an interview with one of his sisters and she just talks about how like his laugh was so memorable because he would laugh with like his whole body, his face, his eyes, everything, you know, just very infectious. And he was said to be really close with his family. And he was also described as a fierce and protective person. They also, in talking about him, like after the fact, they describe him as like the glue of the family. And when he disappeared, appeared, things with their family just kind of fell apart. Oh, no. Yeah, that breaks my heart. But it, it happens a lot. It's happened in my family before and other people I know, too. So, like, it, it happens more than you think. Colt had struggled with drugs and sobriety since he was in his teenage years. And it's serious drugs. We're talking, like, meth and heroin. His sister, Monique, had said that she would know when he was using again because he wouldn't come around the house much. But he would check in with her at least once a week to let her know, like, hey, I'm alive. I'm 
okay? He'd like text her or call her, what have you. But basically, it sounded like he he didn't want to bring it around the house to his family type of thing. Well, jump to the year prior to the case happening. He started dating a girl named Katie and they quickly got into a relationship. They got together in January 2012 and she was pregnant shortly after that and they would have a son together and he was born in October of 2012. Now, their relationship didn't last because in January of 2013, he had actually been arrested on a drug raid and was back in that scene and with that crowd and basically she wasn't going to have it because they had a baby, you know, which good for her on that. But after this arrest, it was said by his sister that she and their family thought he was trying to get back clean and all of that. But there's some stuff pointing probably not or he had another relapse. But we'll talk about more of that in a minute. But Molly and Colt, though, how did they know each other? That's the thing that people are like, what? How does this connection happen? Because there is like a five-ish year difference. So basically, it was kind of figured out that they had really only known each other for maybe a week or so before they disappeared. And they just kind of ran in the same crowd at this point. And it was said that Molly had like a crush on him type of thing. But like, no one really knows if it was like mutual or he was just like, okay, like whatever, you know what I mean? Type of thing. So we don't know. Now there is another person I have to introduce because he's going to come up a lot in this story. He's intertwined in both Molly and Colt's lives. And that would be James Con Nip. And he goes by Con, So that's what I'll refer to him as for the rest of this episode. So let me preface by saying the town that this occurred in is Wilson, Oklahoma. And I checked the population of the year in 2013 that this happened and they had 1,684 people. So everybody know everybody. It is a small fucking town. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. And with that, Khan's family and Molly's family had obviously been familiar with each other basically their whole lives, like growing up, going to school, all of that. Small town shit, you know? And Khan is is a sketchy dude, to say the least. First of all, he was known as a meth dealer in the area and with that ran with a very rough crowd. But apparently Molly's family trusted Khan being around Molly, as in they didn't think he'd let anything happen to her or he would ever hurt her. I get that because like you and I come from a small area. So it's like, I understand that like, oh, like for me, I can think of a family where my dad, like if I was like, oh, I'm going off to hang out with this guy, Mm -hmm. my dad wouldn't have thought twice. He'd be like, okay, have fun. Well, granted, this person is a lot more responsible (laughs) than Khan. But like at the same time, like I can see the relationship there. Like he was older than me, but like, I mean, not as much. I get it on that side. But then like on the other side, I'm just like, you know, he's like running drugs and shit. So it don't matter that you fucking know his family. Like, I don't know. I don't know. It's very conflicting for me. That's all I have to say. (laughs) (laughs) No, I got it. And I'm not blaming her family. I'm not. I'm just saying like, it's just this whole thing is just so frustrating all around because it's like you put your trust in these people and then this shit happened. You know what I mean? So it's like, it makes me mad for her family. You know, I wasn't, I have to preface that because I feel like someone will at me. It's almost like it's a double wound because it's some, the person that's involved with this is someone that they were like, we trusted. Yeah, exactly. And we thought would never hurt her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, it makes me so mad for her family so much. Now, with Colt, how that connection is, is he, Khan was actually Katie's most recent ex-boyfriend before her and Colt got together. Like, literally, they broke up in, like, early January, and then she said she got with Colt, like, around the 20th. 
So like just a couple weeks later. And according to Katie, she said Colt hated him because she thought, this is what she says, he thought Khan was like cocky and all this other shit and blah, blah, blah. And then on top of that, Khan is a piece of shit because he was abusive towards Katie and would be like beating the shit out of her and stuff like that. And obviously she told him about this and she said she was harassed by Khan after they broke up and whatnot and Colt was around for that. And that was just like so heartbreaking to watch her interview on that because she was talking about like how Khan's grandma and like other family would like see or hear him beating on her and just not do anything. So the Nip family, I tell you, fucking jewels. Now that we have that info. Let's get into this case more. So on the morning of July 7th, 2013, Molly was picked up by Colt and Khan, and Khan was driving his girlfriend's Honda Accord. Now, people, even in more recent interviews, have just been like, what the fuck? Like, why were they all together? What the hell? There was rumors that Colt had gotten into selling drugs as well, and was essentially trying to unload inventory by selling it to Khan. It was like stuff he couldn't sell type of situation, or maybe he was getting supply. Like, there's it's small town. There's gonna be like all these theories and rumors and stuff. So yeah. But we know they were together for sure because all of the pings of the cell phones, they were all, you know, they were pulled later on, but they were like all together in the same location, et cetera, et cetera. So they dropped Molly off at one of Khan's family's members' house, like somebody else she knew and was hanging out with. She was there for like the day, whatever. And they picked her back up later that night. And then at 1030, they're at a gas station and Khan being Khan, he decided it'd be a great idea to like, do donuts essentially is the easy way to explain it and spin out and throw gravel everywhere like a fucking jackass and when he did throw all this gravel and rocks and stuff there was a cop car and it hit it and he decided to take off like a bat out of hell which will turn into a full ass high speed chase which fun fact apparently Khan likes to do these this is like his fucking hobby he likes to have high speed chases every so often okay <laughs> Such a horrible hobby. Right? I'm like, what the fuck? And this chase was so serious. They dispatched other cops because there was like county lines they were crossing. There's it's a whole fucking thing. And they tried to put like, I don't know what stop sticks are. I've obviously never been in a chase. One thing was saying they tried to put like stop sticks out to like stop them, like barrier type things, but he was like going too fast. So they couldn't. They tried to cut him off. They like, there was a bunch of people and this was going on for a bit. Like this was a whole fucking thing. And there's another person in this case that you're gonna want to remember and his name is Sheriff Joe Russell who will come up a lot later in Jessica's part. He's a bad man, to say the least. He's a bad man. Well, the high-speed chase is still going on, right? With Khan. And since Khan does this frequently or whatever, he's taking all these back roads and it's near their property, which is near this road, Long Hollow Road, which is a big one to remember. And he's weaving in and out and all that stuff. And Sheriff Russell goes and calls it off because his official reason is he doesn't want the cruisers to get damaged because this is a place Khan goes often when he's being chased by cops and is essentially like super off-roading and, you know, he'll like kick up rocks, dust. He'll do shit to like fuck with the cars and weave in and out to like lose them Mm -hmm. and stuff, you know, and all of that. And like I said, it was his girlfriend's car. And literally after all of this, there was $18,000 in damage to the Accord from all of this shit. Now, how he got so much damage on it, it's believed that some point during this high-speed chase, Colt and Molly got out of the car and were like, you know, trying to evade the cops as well. like running and shit while Khan was still going and then 
he runs through two fences. So I'm like, okay, that's at least. Yeah, that's where all the damage comes. And the car breaks down and then he ditches it, whatever. He goes home. So said chase ends between like 11, 1130 at night, right? And something to keep in mind too is Molly did have an iPhone, but she didn't have it with her because she was grounded from it. So obviously can't do like find my iPhone or anything like that. She has a track phone, which she probably bought when she got grounded because, you know, they're at like fucking Walmart and shit. Like you can just buy one. And Colt had a track phone too. So nothing they could like easily access that. And plus like back then too, I'm sure with the early iPhones, there was find my iPhone, but like, let's be real. I don't know how reliable all that shit would have been. You know what I mean? Right. Especially like where they were at didn't have like the best reception. Right. Exactly. So it was probably, it would have been useless probably if even if she had her iPhone. Now the phone records do show that there's a lot of activity with this phone from here up until whatever happens later on the next day. I'll talk about later. There is a 911 call that's important to note. This took place at 1257 a.m. And this 911 call goes through from Molly's phone and says to last for five seconds. During this call, you hear like buttons being pushed and whatnot and the dispatcher trying to be like, hello, da, 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 you know, that kind of stuff. But it disconnects. In this 911 call, the dispatcher doesn't call back, which I'm like, that's kind of odd. But even if you think it's a pocket dial, I feel like they should still call back. At first, I thought maybe it was because it is a track phone mm-hmm. and it may have been harder for them to like see the number. But there was other 911 calls and there was one that connected but then drops and then that dispatcher called back. Oh. Yeah. So that's not an excuse for that shit. I recant my previous statement. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. You're fine because I thought the same thing because like during the whole night, they call 911 multiple times along with other friends, which I'll get into. So like I said, they're calling friends and pretty much they use Molly's phone the most because for some reason like Colt's just can't get reception, whatever. So essentially, you know, cons ditched them and left them and they have no clue where they are. So Molly starts calling friends and friends are saying, you know, the first person she called, she was like sobbing and just like seemed, he couldn't understand what she was saying and he was trying to and he's like, you know, he was like, oh God, I'm late for work, like whatever. And he's like, I don't know what to do. And like, she just hangs up on him. But he said he did try to call back, but you know, no answer. And then she calls her best friend, but she's asleep. So she misses the call and all of that. And then so she calls some other people and actually they got before because there's more people that come looking for them. But like they got a hold of one friend and they tried looking for a while, but like could not fucking find them. So they like gave up and left. But Molly had said, and this is something to like remember, is she was saying she was on or near Oswalt Road, which is fucking guess whose property, like right Hmm. fucking there, Khan's families. And none of these kids, you know, like called their families or the cops, which it's like they're running with this crowd and stuff like that. I'm not really surprised they didn't do any of that. Like, let's just be honest. But like I said, Colt makes calls off of Molly's phone too. Well, yeah, like I don't think they would want to call their parents if they thought their friends were just out tripping in the woods, like yeah. having a bad high. Yeah. That's only going to get Molly, who's a minor, more in trouble with her parents. Exactly. And like, that's like what I thought too. And I just felt it was like worth mentioning that because some are articles I was reading was like trying to blame these kids for not calling anybody. And I'm like, how dare you? They didn't know what was going to happen. Right. And like, how do you take this situation seriously? I mean, like the high speed chase had been like it spread around town like rumor mill. And how do they know that these two aren't just being like having a bad trip? Like they could just be high and not having a good time and it could be exaggerated. Yeah. 
So like I said, Colt would use Molly's phone as well. And he did end up getting a hold of a group of his friends and they were going to try to come find them. And he tells them that at this point he has fallen and broken his ankle so bad that the bone was sticking out and that he had been coughing up blood and he was stuck in a ravine. He had been up in a tree. People assumed it was probably, and this makes sense, like he was either trying to get better signal, see where they were at, who knows, and then, you know, snap fall. And this group of friends stay on the phone with Colt for like quite a while because they're like talking to him when they're trying to look around. They're like honking, trying to be like, do you hear us or anything? And no, no fucking luck. And they're like, well, we were with fucking Khan. So like go find him and make him tell you where the fuck we are. Like Mm -hmm. what area, right? Because when they get the pings, they were not very far from where the car was ditched. So they go over to Khan's house and he's just like, I don't know. He's just trying to play stupid. He's like, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. I wasn't with them. And they're like, bullshit. And Colt's still on the phone. So he's like, no, motherfucker, like put me on the phone with this fucking piece of shit. We were with you. (laughs) Right. So he gets on there and he's like, fucking tell them where the fuck we are so they can pick us up. So there's this other guy that's like with the group. Khan's like, you know, remember when we were in a high speed chase? Remember where we ditched the cops? That's where they are. And so the guy's like, oh, okay. You know, so then they fucking, they go. And literally, guys, like, you have to watch the Up and Vanish thing because, like, I, when I was reading stuff, I was like, okay, I get it. This area was, like, kind of close. No, it's, like, right there. The, The fucking fence is, like, right fucking there. Like, right there. And... Like I said, their property is over a thousand acres. It's fucking huge. So these guys were like, can we just like drive through? Like, because it's quicker if we just go this way. And Khan says, no, go around. Go the long way to go get them. So that's interesting. And, you know, Colt's like, you know, I'm hurt. We have no water. We've been out here. Someone needs to get us. You know, they're obviously like coming off drugs, blah, blah, blah. Not a good thing. So anyway, they go and they go on their way and then they get to where they need to be. And they're like looking and they they just can't find them. They're like nothing. And at this point, it was said that Colt was like super pissed off. He was extremely irate, which I'm like, part of me is like, okay, fair enough. Whether you're like on drugs or not, like you fucking fall and break your ankle that goddamn bad and you're coughing up blood, like, and literally the person who knows where you are is being like, I don't know, like I'd be fucking pissed too. Just (laughs) but at the same time, it's like obviously not helping because he's like being mean to Molly, being mean to the people on the phone and daylight's approaching and everyone's just like on fucking edge because like everyone's been awake. You know, it's it's a bunch of different factors all in one. So eventually the friends are like, okay, well, uh, you know, if you're gonna be an asshole, fuck you, find your own way back. Bye. And they give up, you know. I also think that because it was becoming like daylight, Uh it wasn't like as an emergency, like, at night, it's more of an emergency. Whereas, like, oh, now they may be able to, like, walk 20 feet and see the road. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because, like, again, no idea, like, what happens is gonna happen. You know, they figure, like, oh, they're freaking no longer high asses. We'll see. Like, they're right fucking there. (laughs) Like, they have to be able to find it. They'll be fine. Whatever. You know, we like to think the best of people. And pretty much, like, Molly and Cole are just like, we're screwed, you know, because because Molly has no clue where they are. And even if Cole did, it was it was that he was terrible with directions, which I can relate to, because so am I. So I don't know. They were just like, I don't know where the fuck we are. The end. Some reports say that the last phone calls via the phone records that come from Molly's phone, because again, they used hers, was one at 9.33. And then we had one at 9.39. And what was interesting was 10 o'clock rolls around and both of these phones cut off within eight minutes of each other. That is just really, really weird. I don't believe in coincidences like that that much because I'm like, what kind of fucking Disney movie bullshit bad luck do you have? That's not real life. Just saying. I don't know if that's just me. Just saying. 
But I am going to hand it over to Jessica now. Okay. So like Tara mentioned, their phones just like shut off. And I'm like, I'm with Tara on this one. It, to me, it's a really weird thing. I don't think it was the up and vanished one. I was watching a couple YouTube videos and in them, it's like someone alludes to they think they shut them off. Mm -hmm. Like somebody shuts off this phone Mm -hmm. because Molly makes a phone call very close to 10 o'clock. I know that her cousin says that like the last time she used the phone is like 930, but like they've like looked at it and it's like closer to 10 because it makes more sense why all of a sudden the phone is just off. Mm -hmm. So they don't don't know if like maybe Molly's phone just ran out of juice, which would make sense. Like if they were on it all night, her phone dying. But it's weird that his phone, which wasn't used as much, which I could see where they were like, okay, like we'll use your phone until it dies. And then we'll use my phone after made more sense to me. Or it could also be that his phone wasn't charged, but it's weird that it's only eight minutes. Mm -hmm. But her phone last pinged at the corner of Pike and Oswald Road, which is we all know where the Oswald Road is. It's right by the Knit property. Mm -hmm. So that is the last known location and activity of Molly Miller and Colt Haynes. And the two just vanish. So basically at this point in time, it's like the next day and nobody's heard from Molly. And I think Molly also like checked in with her family, like Mm -hmm. at least her brother, at least like, you know, maybe her mom, definitely her cousin. And she hadn't. And then the rumor mill is going around that like Molly and Colt were part of Khan's big high speed chase. So that got her family worried. So they like start like looking around and they're trying to like locate people. They ask Khan. Khan is like, I don't fucking know. Like deny, deny, deny. And basically they like try to contact the sheriff, which we all know who the sheriff is. It's Mm -hmm. Khan's cousin, Joe. And he basically tells dispatch that he doesn't want anything to do with it. He fucking refuses. Like he's like, nope, I'm not going to deal with this. And that's not the last time he does because they have to like wait because basically the cops tell all the media and everything and they tell her parents like, oh, they ran away together. She's a runaway. And technically like her mom, Melissa, hadn't seen her since the 28th of June. So it had been like a good time. You know, that's a couple of weeks or like a little, yeah, a couple of weeks, let's say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, like a little more than a week. Let's put it that way. So at that point, like they kind of, I would also be like, okay, well, you know, you haven't heard from her in a while, like, or seen her in a while. Maybe like her and Colt just decided like, fuck everyone. They like, cause the friends, they've told the story at this point, like we look for them. Maybe they're like, fuck it. And they just left everyone, which I'm like, he has a fucking broken ankle. You should call local hospitals. Right. Because there's no way he's surviving that (laughs) right yeah with the bone out and everything but the thing that pissed me off was that the sheriff literally said it's not my problem like so hmm. on july 20th when they go to actually do that he refused to take the statement and the report and he said that's not his problem they're just missing teams and yeah so joe is gonna be like you're not gonna like joe no so like i said the family's heard the story they've heard everything that's happened they know that colt has a broken ankle i'm not sure that molly like molly's family didn't really know about Colt. I think mm-hmm. like maybe she had told her cousin about him and maybe the mom. And it's weird because like her cousin Paula is like really the one in this charge. And it's just like, I don't know. It's For me, it's a little like sad. I'm gonna come a little shade for her mom that her mom isn't out here like running the charge. Because if it was my kid, I know I don't have one, but I, I would be like never tiring. I would be Paula. A hundred percent. But not Melissa. So then Paula tells the the Daily Beast, which I think is the greatest name for a newspaper ever. <laughs> I like their articles. I'm just going to say. 
<laughs> I've read some stuff for different cases, and I don't know. I just like it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's good. Oh, and here's the other thing. When the news outlets, because this is an interesting story, a 17-year-old girl, 21, 22-year-old young man have just disappeared after a night of hell raising, and they've just vanished into thin air, that local newspapers and the local media reached out to the police for an official statement, and they were just like, oh, they're runaways. In fact, that's exactly what they were reporting, is that these two kids yeah. had run away. And here's the thing. It wasn't like they were being malicious and being like, oh, you know, these two kids who do drugs, they ran away together. It was like they were being told by the police that they had ran away and they had gotten this information from law enforcement and they just didn't question it and they moved on, which is typically a good thing. And the problem is, is that the police were really unwilling to help with this. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about some reasons why. So Molly's family and friends decide, fuck them. It's like been 14 days at this point. Nobody's willing to help them. They're like, we have to start at ground zero. They all go out, her family and friends. And I think probably some of, I'm hoping some of Colt's family and friends. I really only found that it was like Molly's, but that just could be their narrative because they're the ones telling the story. Mm -hmm. I know his sister Monique, it seemed like she was trying to help as well. And then one of his other sisters too, but I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Yeah. So they start like searching and they like look in the area in which they believe the car had originally gone off the road. And like the gate that they went through is like fucked to high heaven. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And so they're up there and they're near the property. And as they're like kind of looking and I'm probably, they're probably doing like the calling of the names and, and looking basically a sheriff deputy rolls up and I had a hard time confirming the name so I'm just not going to report the name because I don't want to mislead so we're just going to call him the Love County Sheriff Deputy. (laughs) That's fine. So he was like what are y'all doing? And they're like we're looking for this missing girl her name is Molly and she was with this young man named Colt they disappeared in this area like two weeks ago and he goes what? He had like no fucking clue that these two people had just like vanished in his county. Right. That's so mind blowing to me. Right? Like, what I wrote in my notes is just fucking mind-blowing. Because, I mean, you would think that he would know because the sheriff... Exactly. Would, ...should have told someone, but no, he didn't know. So the deputy begins to help them, and he's actually the one who would eventually go on to find the car. It was, like, in this field and everything like that, and it was fucked. Like, Tara mentioned earlier, it had $18,000 worth of damage to it, and basically the front end, like, I don't know if it's called a fender. I know it's not called a bumper, but it's, like, the... Think of, like, a Honda having, like, the wraparound plastic front. Mm-hmm. That was missing. <laughs> from the car and they found it several feet away. I shouldn't say feet. It was quite a distance away because mm-hmm. he was like, Khan was just like, like, I think he was just going crazy. He was just like having a, like for him a good old time racing around. And also, can we take a moment and like think about the fact that this isn't even his own vehicle. Right. Or an off-road vehicle. It's a fucking Honda Civic. Accord. Accord. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> not much better. Mm-mm. But like not made for like going out and causing a ruckus in a field. And they're basically like, okay, we found the car that you abandon, Colin. So they go and they like talk to him about the car. And he's like, oh, yeah, I left it there. And they're like, well, what about Molly and Colt? And he's still like, I have no fucking clue with them. Now we're going to talk about Shelby Graham. We're going to jump a little ahead in the timeline because it's going to get a little jumpy roundy. Sorry, guys. So Shelby Graham is Colin's girlfriend. And she's about 10 years older than him. And so she has this car. It's a 2012 Honda Accord. Honda Accord. So it's a 2012 Honda. And... 
she reports her car stolen in the time frame that the car is sitting in the field where Khan left it. So she files a claim with her insurance, which you do if your car is stolen. I've had my car stolen. Second phone call I made after the police was to my insurance company. Mm -hmm. Because you have to file a police report. So she filed a false police report and filed like a fraudulent claim. And we all know that that's how murderers get caught is they file those claims, Mm -hmm. like life insurance claims. So basically what ended up happening is Shelby, at first she's like, my car was stolen. And then they found out that she had given Khan permission to drive her car. So giving him permission to drive her car meant that her insurance was saying like, well, he's responsible for the car that you gave him to use. And he willingly and purposely drove the car reckless. So insurance doesn't cover that shit. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know many insurances that cover like destruction derbies. (laughs) No. Right? Like, you don't get insurance on those cars. Maybe that's what Khan should have done. He should have just found himself, like, a construction derby or whatever it is and just, like, have gone crazy in there. And so she was charged and she spent a little time. She had some fines and stuff. But this is, like, the least scandalous part of this story is that she tried to commit fraud on her insurance, which I was just like, can you imagine the insurance company being like, nice fucking try. Your car was Mm -hmm. in a high-speed chase. Like, and also, like, here's the other thing. We know why this was going to go through, because she called probably the county sheriff, who is the cousin to Khan, and he probably was like, oh, it's fine. He's trash. We're going to talk about him a little later. Mm-hmm. So you would think that Molly being a minor, they would put on an Amber Alert, like, right away, like, right when she went missing, even as a runaway. But since she had run away prior, and technically she was currently running away, because she had been gone since the 28th, they were like, no, because that, she's just considered an endangered runaway which I'm like why would you not still blast that shit like why don't we have an endangered runaway alert She's still 17. Mm-hmm. So the authorities wouldn't issue an Amber Alert. Obviously, they couldn't for Colt because he was 21 or 22. So after they find the car, they, again, they questioned Khan and they're like, what happened? And he was like, I was never with Molly and Colt that night. Like, they just weren't with me. And he actually never admitted it except for one time, which was in court. But we will talk about that a little later. So pocket that. Mm-hmm. So while investigators, like, they definitely challenged with, like, the lack of physical evidence. Basically, what ends up happening is they get this big break in 2014. So the next year, it's about eight months later after they're missing. The dispatcher gets this interesting call and the dispatcher like hears the phone and it sounds like it's in somebody's pocket, right? Someone's obviously butt Mm -hmm. dialed 911, but they have to listen because what if someone like called 911, slipped in their pocket, you know? So they start listening and kind of the most damning part of this, because I think there was like more than what they've like released, but what they released is a gentleman by the name of Colby Barrick, who just so happens to also be Khan's uncle, had made the call accidentally. And he says, you know, you're fucking mad. You know, you're fucking tired. And then there's like some noise that you can't hear the words that they're saying. And then it says, fucking Moxley Lake. And then a pause, a buck knife, unaudible like sounds. And then it says Molly Miller. They shot him in the mouth. Some more noise you can't hear. Right here. I put my finger all the way through it. And then there is the sound of like 
splashing water, and then two gunshots. And then the line disconnects. So the dispatch operator is like, shit, this is like crazy. So I think she knows who it is, but like, I don't, I don't know if at the time they knew who it was. So she calls the sheriff, which is Sheriff Joe Russell, who is the cousin of mm-hmm. assuming both of these people. Yeah, I think so. I don't really know how they're all related, but they're all related. Like, I don't know, like, genealogically how they're all connected because they all have different last names for sure. So Sheriff Russell is talking to the dispatcher and she said, I think I heard someone talking about Molly and Colt. I mean, the girl that was killed, dope and stuff like that. I don't think they meant to call 911. And it comes from a pond just north of Long Hollow Road on Oswalt, which is, we know, where the Nip property is, which is a thousand acres. And without even like really just being like, oh, a pond near there, he says, oh, like Moxley Pond or Moxley lake and she just kind of goes yeah i think so but she never said the name of it which to me was like a oh shit moment. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah which i get like he's my mind goes two ways like it's his family's property all along in there so like obviously he would know like what she was talking about because like maybe there isn't a bunch of ponds there maybe that's the only pond in that general mm-hmm. vicinity but it's also weird that he wouldn't just be like oh they're by a pond the other weird thing that strikes is that he asked for a copy of the tape because i think he wanted to hear it all so he knew what was a heads up. I think like for him like he knew exactly what they were talking about at that exact time. In 2018, so we're jumping ahead a few years, like four years at this point, Colby is arrested on an unrelated firearms charge and is sentenced to 46 months in prison and while he's in there, he kind of is like, hey, I have some information on like a case and he tells them that Molly and Colt's bodies are located in the pond or is a quote-unquote possible location. Mm-hmm. I want to say that it wasn't until after Up and Vanish, like, recorded and, like, they did this episode. Up until that point, the pond had never been looked at, like, ever. And on that episode, they take the cousin, like, her cousin, Paula, there, and she's like, I never even knew this existed. So, like, why would their family, like, look there? Right. As I mentioned earlier, Khan only admitted to having Molly and Colt in his car one time, and that was because in January of 2014, he was arrested. This was about six months after, five to six months after their disappearance. Mm-hmm. Khan had gotten himself into another high-speed chase and got away once again because I'm sure his cousin, uncle person was like, no, let him go. Which I do see that as like a valid point because like the way they say that he drove, like Tara described earlier, like if he's driving into these things, like essentially it's nighttime, they would be driving into a dirt storm and they could mm-hmm. drive off a cliff into a ravine. They could drive into a tree. They could drive into each other. Like it was probably like, I will give Joe Russell one decision I did not disagree with. This is it the only one yeah it was like a safety thing like a liability thing for their team members right he gets no other good decisions So he has, at this point in time, he has a warrant out for his arrest. And this is also where, like, Shelby gets in trouble, his girlfriend, because of the whole insurance fraud thing. So he was once again evading the police. So they made a public announcement through, like, the media and asked him to surrender. This is the fucking cousin of the sheriff. They know right where the fuck he is. 
Mm-hmm. And like to me, people are like, why don't they just like show up at his house? Probably because they were tipping him off. 100%. I mean, this guy was running drugs. Cousin had to have known. Like there's no way that he didn't know. Like everyone knew. So like he's literally allowing him to be a criminal for like no reason than other to be a criminal. Yeah. Which when we get to future things you're going to talk about. Not surprised. Right? Oh my God. I think that's coming up in my notes pretty soon. So I'm excited about that. <laughs> so basically at this point in time, they've made this public, please come Come in and surrender yourself. So he decides, Khan's like, okay, I'll surrender. But I have a like a request. So his family calls the sheriff's office and requests that he be picked up at his grandfather's house. Which I get, like, you know, you want to say goodbye to people. And they were like, cool. But do you know who the arresting officer was? His cousin? Yeah, it would be Sheriff Joe motherfucking Russell. For sure. Which has to be a conflict of interest. Like, has to be. Right. And according to Oklahoma News 4, which I watched and they told me about tornadoes when I was there last, so. Thank God for them because there was a tornado. It said on Tuesday, Nip's family, they called the sheriff's office and requested that the sheriff pick up the 22-year-old if he turned himself in. The sheriff met Nip at his grandfather's house. Sheriff Joe Russell says Nip told his father that he loved him before being taken into custody. He also told the sheriff he had no idea where Molly Miller and Colt Haynes are right now. When Khan was in court, he had to like obviously tell the truth because he's like sworn in and everything. And also they had the fucking like pings of their phones all together. So it's Mm -hmm. like, how can you not be in the vehicles together but then they're like their phones are pinging other places that night and like the last time they were heard from was like around your property like how do you not fucking know so he has to say in that instance yes Colt and Molly were in my car this is the only time he ever admits it if you talk to him now he says he has no idea where they were he has no idea that's just his story around this time Khan's mother also goes to jail for drunk driving so apparently it's a family thing and Mm -hmm. shortly after that a witness would come forward to Molly Miller's investigation team and provide them with the weapons that had been given to Khan's mom. So basically one day, Khan showed up with a gun and gave it to his mom and said, Mom, hang on to this. It's going to exonerate me one day. And then a few days later, he showed up with a machete with dried substance on it and said, hold on to this too. And at this point in time, she was like freaked out about it. And her daughter, who I will talk about in a minute, was also freaked out about it. So they gave it to this other person who has now become like a witness that we don't know their name. It's like in the shadow witness. Like if they were being interviewed by Oprah, they'd have a different voice and be like shadow casted. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you watch the Up and Vanished episode, they have like a recording of this witness like telling the story, like how his mom was afraid and his sister was afraid. And so that's why he was handing this over. And I was really excited that someone was like, here, I think this needs to be seen by the cops, which is what they did. But around mm-hmm. the time that they found the car, Khan's sister, Michaela Greenwood, who was 16 at the time, so not very much younger than Molly herself, made a police report saying that her brother had told her that he would soon be arrested for murder, which is a really weird thing to do if you're not going to be arrested for murder. Mm-hmm. I paused it and I took a picture. So here is part of her official statement. I think there was more than this, but this is the damning part. She wrote... My brother, Con Nip, and I were talking on, it's a 7 13 so July 16th, 2013. And he said he was about to go to jail for murder. I didn't believe him. The following day was 7 13 so July 17th, 2013. He told me the same thing 
and was more serious about it. So I believe him. Yeah. It is also noted that she did not go to the Love County Sheriff's Department to file this. She went to the next county over, which was Carter County, which is actually where Colt was and his investigation of a missing person was taking place. Mm -hmm. Because obviously she couldn't go to the Love County Sheriff's Department because then she'd be giving the statement to her cousin who would then have (laughs) like shredded that shit. Mm-hmm. Payne Lindsay, who is on Up and Vanished, asked Sheriff Chris Bryant, who is the current sheriff of Carter County, why he thinks they didn't search the property because this is a confession, essentially. Con made the confession to his sister and his sister told the police and he kind of played it off like it was no big deal. Like, it was like, meh, it's fine. Right? That rubbed me the wrong way so bad. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? That whole interaction with this dude, this Sheriff Chris Bryant, I'm like, mm, sir. I like his shirt, though. Like, because he had like a sweater. It was a Columbia sweater. And I was like, that looks really warm. Oh my God. Because <laughs> it looked cold. <laughs> Right? I was like, nice. And it had like the sheriff emblem. I'm sorry. Sorry, guys. I just really like the sweater. <laughs> not him. So basically, he said that at the time, there must not have been enough evidence that would allow them to get a search warrant. Okay. Everyone knows that I like I go back to the Peterson trial a lot when I'm looking at things. Scott Peterson was literally fucking convicted of murder and sentenced to death because they said he was the last fucking person to see Lacey Peterson alive. That is what their case is like built on, right? The fact of the matter is, if we're taking the same logical sense of last person to see you alive is who killed you, Khan is the last person to see these two people that we know of. He had to have done it. I agree with you, but we got this small town. If you know certain people, that shit's not going to apply to you. Right, because like your whole family fucking runs the sheriff's department. Mm-hmm, exactly. That's the shitty thing about that. Right, but I just had to, that's like one of the rants I had to go on. Yeah, no, it's definitely a good point to bring up for sure. Right, and there have been so many other cases where it's just like somebody's walking in the general vicinity of like a crime and they're like, that person did it because they were in the proximity. Like you're telling me that this dude's phone was with them, but then like nut they weren't so enter the person who's going to be the cop that is going to be our hero for the story because there is one his name is ronnie hampton and he is with the oklahoma highway patrol so he basically the highway patrol was looking into the hit and runs that happened because of the fucking high-speed chase and this led them to start tracking more information about what happened after this because it's all relevant it all touches everything so they're actually the ones who were like subpoenaing the cell records like it wasn't the fucking love county sheriff's Department or the Carter County Sheriff's Department. Because I also want to say that I think that the Carter County and the Love County Sheriffs are probably friends. Mm-hmm. I do think that's a limb I could crawl out on and be pretty safe. Because, mm-hmm. like, honest to God. <laughs> Small towns, small counties, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so Ron, Ronnie Hampton, basically he starts investigating the case. And if he hadn't, we wouldn't have anything, like any kind of evidence. Thank God he did. So with this little movement in the case, the Millers decide to hire a private attorney. And they're also working with the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigations. And they're looking into this. And this is in 2014. They start making these inquiries. So about a year after after this all happened. So Philip Klein is the guy that they hire and he works with the Highway Patrol to build the timeline of events using the cell records, which was really smart because they could literally map out where they were. Philip believes that Khan had let the two out of the car, which Tara said earlier, and was driving crazy around and going through all the other fences and whatnot, and that Molly and Colt somehow ended up in a ravine and that Colt had climbed the tree, or we've discussed that, and that he fell, and that when Khan was done, he simply just got out of his car and walked home because he knows the area. This is the theory that her 
team is working with, which is important to know. And I think the thing I didn't think about when I first heard this case is like, why would they all three split up? But then it's like, well, they were probably had drugs on them. One, there was the rumor that Colt had got himself a big old mess of drugs. Mm-hmm. So there is the thought that like he had those drugs still and that they were trying to evade the police and that if Molly had a crush on him, she probably would go with him and not stay with Khan. They're also evading the police because they are at least if they didn't have any drugs on them, they're an accessory to a high speed chase because they're in the fucking car and they could have tried to convince him to stop. So he's true an accessory by association. Mm-hmm. So this is why they're thinking they got out of the car. Philip and his team hired canine cadaver dogs and they went out to this area where they think they were about 12 times and then the dogs hit 26 separate locations where there was once human remains. And I have to say a caveat here. Like, and I say this like hopefully that it's not a bunch of dead people that this family has just killed in this area. Um, oh, God. Because that would be horrible. Because like, that's my other thought. They're like, okay, so we think what happened is that Colt was here. The two theories of why they were killed was, well, it's only two theories about Colt. Theory number one is that Colt had lost a lot of blood and he probably didn't know how much blood he was losing because he was high and then coming down and then feeling the pain. And then he had coughed up blood. And so that they think that Colt may have been like pretty far gone with blood loss, things like that. Mm-hmm. So they think that maybe they killed him as like, oh, well, fuck, he's almost dead. Like, we kind of caused this. And when I say we, they think that her team thinks that Khan got Colby and they came over, like, to take care of the problem. Right. And that at that point in time, they just shot Colt to, like, kind of put him out of his misery or to be like, they didn't want him to be a loose end. And they think they kind of miscalculated how Molly would take it. And Molly panicked and, like, started running away to like go tell someone what happened and so they had to kill her. And then the other theory is that like Khan and Colby came out to get them and that Colt and Khan got into a fight and that they killed him, shot him or stabbed him or sliced him and then Molly realized what happened and she turned to run away and they killed her. So they just really think that they killed Molly as she was running away, which is like crazy. I know. And then shortly after they do the excavation because they were looking to maybe see if there was bones, they knew there was a burn pile there. So the theory was is that they burned both Colt and Molly right there and then like cleaned up everything. Like, I don't know, got a fucking shot back or something. So I was like, how do you get all that shit shot back? And that they then like took the ashes and like remnants to the pond, mm-hmm. which was not like a pond where it's just like a man-made pond. It was like there was a pond, but it, there was like a little creek that ran away from it. And like water was always running through it. So it was like a deep pond. So like if they threw the ashes and shit in there, it may have just like floated away. Or they went and buried them somewhere on the property and then moved them later. Those were their thoughts. But mysteriously, just a couple months after this like dog search, the whole ravine would catch on fire. Weird. So fucking mysterious. And basically evidence is then like, what are you going to do? It's been on fire. Mm -hmm. So with that, we're going to switch over to talking about Joe Russell. Oh, boy. So Joe Russell has been the sheriff and I have a feeling he was a good old boy sheriff, like been one for a real long time. Definitely like anytime I saw him talk was like, oh, I've met people like you, mm-hmm. you know. So in 2016, an investigation was launched into one Mr. Joe Russell about his conduct. Now, it doesn't really have anything to do with this case. Like they're not like being like, oh, he n- was neglectful on this case. However, <laughs> he got in some trouble because <laughs> he was charged with some 
stuff. I think probably how it is related to the case is that it was the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigations who looked into him and they were probably looking into him because they were like, something's not fucking right with the sheriff. Like, how is he not looking for these missing people? Mm-hmm. But basically what they found was that he was basically doing stuff for his own family. Mind you, he played the victim all the fucking time. When he was asked about Molly and Colt, he said, you know, it's not just their family that needs closure. My kin folks, they need closure too because they don't know what happened to them either. And I'm like, okay, like, fuck you. You're an asshole. And anyway, so a multi-county grand jury filed a removal proceedings against him on July 14th of 2014, according to court records. And he was charged with two counts of corruption of office and two counts of habitual or willful neglect of duty. And these were because basically his son's girlfriend had warrants out for her arrest and he just allowed her to live in his home. And Mm. the other half of that is that he knew and saw her do meth and knew that she stored meth in his house and he did nothing. So, yeah. But fucking Joe over here, he actually would end up resigning from his office and he pled no contest to misdemeanor charges of unwillful omission to perform duty in early 2017. He was later sentenced to one year unsupervised probation and a fine of, ready for it, $300. Yeah. Yeah. When you watch the Up and Vanished, which I do recommend doing, Mm -hmm. they go to like kind of find him because like (laughs) no one else will talk to them because like Colby's in prison, so they can't really talk to him. And Con obviously is not going to talk to anyone. And the actual sheriff at the time was like, no, thank you. I don't want to talk to you either. So they go and they see him outside. So they're like, fuck, maybe he'll actually like, you know, talk to us. And which was kind of nice because like when Payne first walked up to like talk to him, he like shook his hand. And, like, listened to him. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as he was like, I'm investigating Molly and Colt's (laughs) disappearance, he's like, I don't have anything to say. And then he says, you know, he's like, what do you mean? You don't have anything to say. And he goes, well, every time I say something, they get it all twisted in the media and blah, blah, blah. And he's, Payne, who is, like, the host of the show, is, like, being like, yeah, but, like, the family deserves to know what happened. (laughs) Former sheriff Mm -hmm. Joe Russell goes, I don't give a fuck about the family. Fucking ass. (laughs) And you just see, like, Payne go from like intently listening to like what the fuck and he's like what do you mean you don't give a fuck about the family and then you know Joe's just like I'm done I'm not talking anymore and he like just basically went inside and shut the door which I was like you are a trash human Mm. but you also now can't be sheriff and he tried to be like a process server so like the person who like would deliver papers to people and the court was like we can't fucking trust you to do that because like that's literally the thing you got kicked out for like what if your family yeah I don't know he's doing for money these days who cares he trash the question i have like i'm like how yeah. are you alive like how are you living who knows who's paying your bills <laughs> oh i know con's paying his bills he runs the drugs <laughs> <laughs> thank god i live in california his family is very scary <laughs> and i'm like joking anyway so anyway this whole thing just like confuses the fuck out of ronnie hampton who i'm just like ah yay and like when he like hears about this he's just like i don't understand he also can't understand why joe doesn't recuse himself because like the second con was because that's what you're supposed to do if you're in law enforcement and like if you're investigating like your family member is the bad guy even if your family member is the victim like i think you're supposed to recuse yourself it's not like cop shows where you're like no it's cool that you're 
you're like investigating your mother's murderer. <laughs> you know, like it's not that's not how that's supposed to work. But the good thing about Ronnie Hampton is he's never going to give up. This is just like he wants this solved. And I think it was beautiful when he said that, like, you know, it might be 15 years, it might be 25 years, but he envisions like a law enforcement agent sitting down with a prosecutor and them actually like filing charges. Yeah. And I was like, yes, this is the guy. This is the one we need. I don't know any. Like, here's the thing. Sometimes I say like, this is like my hero of the story. And then people come at me because they're like, actually live in the area and he's a trash human because of all these other reasons. Like, I don't care. He's my story hero for this reason. Mm -hmm. Wanting to clarify because I've been added a couple of times for my infatuation with the sheriff in slow. (laughs) So just thought I would, you know, share my info. Yeah. So anyways, like he should have completely recused himself because the Nip family is all up in this business. No matter how you look at it, Con's involved. Colby's involved. Joe is obviously. I agree with every person who said this and everything. You can't tell me that Joe doesn't know what bodies are buried. 100%. Like he knows. He was probably there. True. They probably called him and were like, uh, we have a body. What do we do with it? And he probably used his law enforcement skills to be like, this is what you do with it. (laughs) These are obviously just theories. I cannot back them up with anything, but that's my theory. And we've talked about it a lot. The Up and Vanished episode. It is season one, episode four. It's I really like that show. Mm I really like it. I think it was just really interesting to see who would work with the show and who wouldn't. Again, like I mentioned earlier, like Molly's mom didn't really work with the show. And then like, obviously, like the current sheriff didn't say anything, even though that they had a statement from the office saying that they were still going to look into it or whatever that would mean. The P.I. Philip was such a great help. Like this is one of those times like where a private investigator really came in and really helped with taking zero physical evidence and showing them like this is if you triangulate this signal, it's right here like you can look up in the tree and see where he fell all that stuff and it obviously the terrain has like changed because like the last time they were out there was like 2014 and even just four years you're talking about floods and stuff like that that happened in Oklahoma it's also tornado alley so like the fact that the tree was still there is yeah I just like for me this story really like got me angry because Mm -hmm. of the fact that like this is just police neglect Yeah. I don't care if someone is a runaway. If someone files a missing persons report, they're saying I'm missing this person. And you can't be like, wasn't 48 hours. It had been two fucking weeks. Right. Because they were getting nowhere with help. And like, what could have happened in the two weeks? They literally... They could have waited, like decomposition could have happened. Tons of different stuff could have happened to make getting rid of the bodies easier. And we just don't know. And we don't know how many times they were moved around. And it would be really easy to clean up a mess because you would literally have the sheriff be like, well, they're coming out to look. And the creepiest part of this part is when Philip is out showing the people on Up and Vanish, like where the locations were, like someone on the crew was like, oh my God, there was this like red laser beam. Yeah, fucking cons sitting out there. <laughs> with a fucking gun and scope Ugh. and like watching them and like at first I was like oh my god that's scary but I was like okay as a gun he's probably using the scope to see them but still but still and like the question is like <laughs> that they say is like how did he know we were here mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And like at that point in time, like no, that at point in time, Joe had been arrested. But like still, like I'm sure, I'm sure loyalty is runs thick in that department. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Right? Somebody tipped them off. Also, like when Tara says the fence is right there, like at one point they're standing there, and the fence is like a good ten feet from them to the property where this 
It's so close. So it's just so fucking creepy and whatnot. So at this point, they consider it not to be a cold case, but a very active case because obviously Ronnie Hampton is still working on it. The sheriff's department has said that they will look into it. I don't think they will. Yeah. And since this came out, since Up and Vanish came out, they did go out and like drag the pond. But if they're saying what they're saying is they think they burned the bodies and there's only fragments left, there was no way those fragments were still in that pond. Yeah. Six years later or seven years later like they're gone yeah the only way we're gonna know is if they say something and you know they're fucking not going to sadly like unless they get into some deep shit and then they're like okay to get me out of this deep shit let me tell you this like right i think what's gonna end up happening is that yeah it's gonna be like a friend of his or like another family member and they're just gonna be like look con and colby or whoever admitted this to me mm-hmm. and you know i'm family so i'm protecting them yeah like i'll cut you a deal mm-hmm. Like, there's been cases that we've looked at where, like, someone has worn a wire Mm -hmm. to, like, catch someone to, like, just spill their guts. So, yeah, who knows? Colby, I think, I don't know if he's still in prison at this point. If it was 2018, 46 months, yeah, he's probably out. But Khan is out because he got released in 2018, Mm -hmm. obviously. So, just (sighs) this case. Yeah, and the other heartbreaking thing is in January of this year, her family declared her dead. Mm-hmm. But, and as heartbreaking as, you know, that is, and they say, you know, they're like, yeah, obviously, like they acknowledge how heartbreaking it is. They said, you know, for the investigation, though, this is going to help and whatnot. So, ugh. Just one that fucking enrages me so much. And it's one of those that's so, God, it's just one of those that's so obvious. It's like, you know, people know, but because they're pieces of trash, they're not going to fucking say anything because they don't care. And it's just frustrating. So yeah, very, very heartbreaking. Just, oh my God. Molly's grandpa died last year. Yeah. Which is so sad because he lost his wife right before Mm -hmm. the whole thing, like a couple years before all this happened. And then it's just like he died and her cousin said something that was really sweet, though, that she doesn't feel so bad because now she knows he's with Molly, mm-hmm. which I was like, that's sweet. But this case, oof, the emotional range that I went from like being because <laughs> in my mind, I was like, this is just a weird case where like these people like ran away with drugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so and much then more. The more I researched, I was like, oh, no, they killed them for their drugs. Yeah, that's kind of where my mind is, is that Khan wanted them and Colt was like, no, and I don't know. Yeah, but regardless, two lives taken way, way too soon. And I really hope that one day their families can have some kind of answers on what exactly happened. So heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. But with that, we are going to go ahead and wrap this episode up. Thank you guys for listening as always, and we will see you on Thursday. Bye. Bye. Bye.